Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Keith Gasper, Diskai Mera, JC Freak 898 The Saturnian, Dave Jackson, Eric Gass, and Rick Firestone. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. Classic gamers, welcome to the podcast where we fatally frame friendly furries finding false fixings for phantasms. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host, Chris Copeland, with special guest, Mast Keaton and Lindsay, and as always, your host, Shane. Dick Pick While the name is appropriate, it's also quite possibly the most on-the-nose one that we've ever had. Just don't slide in my DMs, bro. Oh. (laughs) I'm already there. Oh, shit. (laughs) This is why I don't go on Twitter. Really? That's why? Well, among other reasons. Anyway, welcome to another episode of the Retro Hangover podcast. I swear I'm not getting canceled for saying something offensive, but we are joined by Mast Keaton, who I'm probably going to slip up and say llama all the time. And Lindsay, thank you both for coming to the show. Greatly appreciate it. And if you didn't know, this is a makeup episode for Keaton based off our April Fool's joke episode, which was a lot of fun. And you should go check that out. But we're having a great time. How are both of you doing? I'm doing good. I'm still waiting for Adam and Demon to show up, but I guess that's not happening this time. Well, we disappointed you the first time (laughs) by not actually talking about Fatal Frame, and now we're going to disappoint you because we don't have any Australians. (laughs) We're not hung under. We are not. Alas. Good day, Uh, mates. I'm doing just fine. (laughs) 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 It's at that moment that Adam's listening to this episode and he's like, oh, no. (laughs) That's I can't. There's I can't do. Hello. I don't have an accent at all. (laughs) Or maybe I do. But, you know, it's not Australian. Whatever it is. No, it's them who have the accents. They are. They are in the accent. Wrong. Right. (laughs) What is funny, though? I like it. Is it the children who have the accent? Yes, they're the ones that are wrong. (laughs) They're the ones. Yes. But today we are here to talk about Fatal Frame, much like we were on our April 1st episode. Well, much more like we are than on our April 1st episode. Uh, But before we get into that, we like to talk about the games we have been playing. So our guests always go first. So let's kick it off with Lindsay. Lindsay, what games have you been playing recently? Mostly just Splatoon 3. I've been really rocking it, trying to get to... The S plus rank. I'm enjoying it. Okay. 
I'm missing a lot of weapons that we had in the 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 first two games, but I feel like those are just going to come later as they did before. So I'm still killing it. So it's fine. That's basically all I've been doing. Very competitive. Are you splatooning people? Are they getting splatted? A lot. Yeah, I'm usually usually got that big old star. You know what you can't do anymore is squid squid bang uh, squid bag. Uh, I'll say what do what now? <laughs> Sorry, this is the wrong podcast. Squid bag. <laughs> when you, you know, when like in Call of Duty, when you, you go back, you you like do squats on top of the person that you you you, you, you killed. I believe the technical term is teabagging. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, well, it's mm-hmm. squid bagging. So it's because they're bagging. kids now, right? Uh, yeah. or, or squids. You know. Yeah. They made it so that your the way you do squid bagging is like different, so you don't like turn to a squid as fast, so you can't actually squid bag as well anymore. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's a trial, and we ha- the meta hasn't come out with what the new squid bag is yet, so we all just kind of look silly now instead of toxic, yeah. which is what we were going for before. <laughs> <laughs> i know that uh you and and tiger were big into you've always been big into the splatoon i remember that came out for the wii u and i mean you were definitely better than me and i was interested in, in it back then so i'm sure you're having a blast with it love to hear that it's doing pretty well yeah apparently it sold really well too so i'm really i'm really excited i hope they keep up the updates like they did before and it's the one game that really makes me mad so i have to i have to like make sure i don't like go like crazy with my emotions when i'm playing it's the only game i really like scare we scare each other like stop yelling (laughs) (laughs) that's it all right keaton how about yourself what have you been up to Uh, i completed the batman arkham trilogy nice oh nice finally got around to beating arkham knight uh, seven years late but and most of the stuff had been spoiled but hey i i got to have the experience and it's it's probably my favorite of the trilogy because i like in it Things look hopeless. There comes like even before when things really look hopeless, there's kind of like you realize how in over your head Batman is. And so there's a Mm. very satisfying, like gradually taking your city back that I just really got to sink my teeth into. And loved every bit of that It was like felt like playing a game in hard mode, but not this game in hard mode. So (laughs) you called it the Arkham Trilogy, but you said night. Yeah. Are you, which which game do you not include? Uh, Origins. That was by a different okay. company, right? And on a different like place. And uh, yeah, I just kind of thought or Origins was sort of one of the apocrypha pieces that mm. you can mm. read and get into, but you don't really have to. Oh, that's disappointing. I, I I've heard it's I've heard it's good. So I was just interested as to why like you don't consider it part of the series. It's just kind of more of that. Can't really think. It's like just more of what it's what's more of of accepted because it wasn't made by Rocksteady, right? I believe that's the case. I think it's. I mean, okay. you know, it's like there's like Kingdom Hearts one, two, and three, and then there's eight different Kingdom Hearts games. I mm-hmm. thought it was kind of like that. Yeah, but it's not oh, because okay. all of those are required. <laughs> <laughs> not if you're sane. I, I mean, fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Like I've I've played Arkham Asylum in Arkham City. So I, I don't know if I should just get into Night or Origins, because I've heard Origins is pretty good. But if you're saying just skip it, I might have to go to Night. Well, it gets referenced a few times, but I don't think you need to play it to really get Arkham Knight. Like, you needed to play Arkham City to really understand a lot of what was going on at Arkham Knight. Okay. He didn't say skip it. He said it is an optional side quest game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It's like a guidance. Yeah. 
There yeah. you go. Yes. How about you, Shane? What have you been up to? What have you been playing? Well, uh, apart from a lot of just what we've been talking about on the show recently, mm-hmm. still trying to get some time in on Fallout 76. I haven't had as much time lately, but still kind of plinking away at that. Um, working through the the Brotherhood of Steel quest line still. So that's going along pretty well. Rocking around the wasteland in my power armor. Feels pretty badass. And then outside of that, really, I, I so I downloaded a bunch of demos during like the the indie whatever thing that was going on on Steam and then proceeded to not play most of them because I didn't realize that evidently most of them were like timed demos. And then I went to go back and actually play one and it was just like, you should buy the game. And I'm like, oh, well, all right, cool. No, but. I did get to play through a couple of them and I ended up buying one that just released. It's called her name is fire and it's like $3 and change or so. So pretty affordable. It's kind of like in a similar vein to something like vampire survivors, but it has more of like an explicit sort of story ish. Like there's more of a clear sort of progression. And honestly, it's a little bit more skill based. Like you have a, a dodge with your right mouse button that you know has a short cooldown on it so you got to kind of like time your movement the enemies are super aggressive and they are right up in your shit like all the time but it has the same sort of like randomized upgrades when you level kind of deal collecting xp as they drop from enemies and that sort of thing kind of bullet hell e in that way mm-hmm. and like each of the bosses at the end of the stages they're like the stages are like the stages of grief and things like that but it's pretty cool. I've put, what do I, like just about two hours or so into it and I've been enjoying it. So if you're into the vampire survivors style kind of gameplay, uh, I would also, I would give this one a, a look-see. It's like I said, it's also super cheap. And also speaking of vampire survivors at the time of this recording version 1.0, the big, the big drop is coming in like three days. So Mm. I'm excited for that because there's like a UI overhaul and they've added some new stuff, skins, I think, and all other manner of business. So I'm excited to see what that uh, what that looks like. But uh, yeah, man, that's I think that's the majority of it for me right now. Um, A lot of my time has just been spent making sure that I've put the proper amount of time into what we're talking about here on the show or maybe (laughs) more accurately enough time for me to think that i've gotten what i wanted out of the game and not a, a moment more and that <laughs> no. may or may not have something to do with what we're talking about today but who knows what about you chris what have you been doing i actually have quite a few games to talk about on the docket uh, first of all i've been playing east six ah. which is the next game in my little final fantasies here i hate saying that word now because i feel like a super cheesy but i'm going to continue to say it because it's my year Damn it, it's probably going to go to two years because these are long games. But E6, having a lot of fun with it, it's the first East game I've ever played, uh, which was way back in like 2005. Uh, But I'm replaying it now for the PC, and it's a lot of fun, but it's like super grindy. So you'll go into a new area and you'll be under leveled almost intentionally. And the point is just stay and level up for a bit before you go to the boss which is something that you don't find in really in the other games that come after it in terms of the engine, which is East, the oath and Felgana and East origins, which you still have to grind, but not really to the extent that you do here. And because combat isn't as fluid in those other two games, grinding isn't necessarily as fun. I think it's better than Felgana, 
but it still falls quite short of Origins. But I'm still having a good time. Other than that, I played another game that our friend Keith from the Main Quest podcast is quite fond of, if you follow him on Twitter, and that is Waifu Discovered 2. And <laughs> that is that is shockingly a better game than I thought it would be. I, I saw that in your, like, Discord status, that that's what you were playing, yeah. and I had questions, but... <laughs> Oh, the answers are it's it's a good game. It is a hentai game. Mm. And if you play it on Steam, you do play it fully uncensored. And yeah, this is something that definitely exists. And you think these games are terrible, especially after our monthly competition for a high score challenge, which was for bubble bath babes. And that game is bad. And I don't know why we selected it, but we did. Why do you all keep voting on those? <laughs> I know it's our fault. It's completely our fault. But it's it's actually pretty competent. It's not a perfect game by any measure. I hope to do an RFR on it and uh, talk about it in more detail. But yeah, it's a lot better than I thought it would be. And the 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 one that's probably the worst game I've played since our last episode is the original Street Fighter. And man, that game's a dumpster fire. <laughs> that is, it's so bad. I hope it's not because I played it on the PSP, but if you if anyone ever doubts that Street Fighter 2 completely revolutionized the fighting game genre, if you're like, yeah, I mean, it's super basic. You know, what did it really do? It's it's not even that good of a game. Go play Street Fighter (laughs) one and then come back to me. Fuck that game. It's like the, the final boss is Sagat and he's moving at you like a slideshow because the animations are so janky. And just kind of sticks his knee out. You're dead within three seconds. You're like, what happened? And it's like, this is Street Fighter, bro. Have fun. <laughs> like, no, it's so bad. Oh, Street Fighter, you suck. Uh, but that's all I have. And I'm not saying Street Fighter as a series sucks. I think everyone knows that the original Street Fighter is pretty bad. But you, if you haven't played it, you just don't know how bad it really is. It's I mean, quite horrific. I don't know. I feel like we had to have a very similar conversation about the first Mortal Kombat, too. But, you know, here we are. It's worse than that. Uh. It's ooh, ooh, uh, uh, uh. well, you know, Chris, no <laughs> one had fought in the streets before, so they were breaking new ground. You know, <laughs> they didn't they didn't know what they were doing. That's true. That is true. Urban champion does not exist. That's right. I think Urban Champion might be better than the original Street Fighter, but that's just me. Uh, that's a bad game. But we have a game to talk about today. What? Where you're not fighting in the streets. I know. You're fighting in a mansion. Kind of fighting. It's spooky. It's about ghosts. And this is the final episode in our Spooptoberfest. We are talking about fatally framing things. Oh. Ooh. I know. And it's for fatal frame. That's, that sounds like... Like a Michael's Arts and Crafts serial killer. But go on. Yes. You never, you never know. Go to Michael's and frame, frame ghost girls in your pictures. But in any case, this game has a history. <laughs> and, and Shane. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know you worked hard on this. So I want you to give us the brief history on Fatal Frame. picture can say a thousand words or perhaps a camera can steal your soul folksy colloquialisms and superstitions aside it's fairly safe to say that our modern social media focused world does not equate photography with terror or feelings of dread 
Unless we're talking about the Oscar Mayer party pack that is your average woman's DMs, but that is a completely different horror story altogether. This tale, however, takes place all the way back in 2001, before Instagram feeds and viral memes, game company Tecmo and director Makoto Shibata would infuse photography with fear with the PlayStation 2 survival horror title, Fatal Frame. After wrapping up the PS1 trap-based murder simulator Deception, Makoto Shibata wanted his next outing to focus more on the spirit realm, inspired by his own experiences with what he considered to be paranormal encounters and supernaturally influenced dreams. Makoto and his team, largely made up of folks responsible for the Deception series, would start development on what they dubbed Project Zero once Tecmo received development kits from Sony for the PlayStation 2. Taking a bit of a nod from the Silent Hill games and their graphical stylings, the primary focus first and foremost was to make the game as frightening as possible, with a heavy emphasis on atmosphere. Borrowing from their deception roots, the team would set the game in a mansion styled after classical Japanese architecture. To ensure they crafted the most ominous setting, the team would spend much of their time watching a slew of Japanese horror and war films, Further to this end, the design decision was made to set the game sometime in the 1980s, a period that would not afford the player modern conveniences like cell phones and, as a result, caused them to feel even more isolated. Interestingly, the notion of having the player use a camera as a weapon was an 11th hour change, Originally, the idea was to repel ghosts with light sources, such as a flashlight. The Camera Obscura was included when the team decided Project Zero would be better with a more offensive, combat-oriented component, a decision that would ultimately shape the entire identity of the game. Project Zero would be released on December 13th, 2001 in Japan, with the game coming out in North America on March 8th of 2002 under the moniker Fatal Frame. Europe would get its release on April 30th of 2002, though under the original Japanese title. The game's marketing in Europe and North America heavily relied on the conceit that it was based on true events, which was, of course, a complete lie. Whether this attempt at sensationalism was a factor or not is anybody's guess, but in either event, the game was, by all accounts, a resounding failure upon release, shifting only 22,000 units in Japan and a paltry 12,000 in Europe. This was in spite of the game receiving relatively positive reviews from critics, most of which were quick to praise its excellent atmosphere. In a somewhat serendipitous turn of events, the North American adaptation of Japanese horror film The Ring became somewhat of a national sensation, and sparked enough interest to breathe life into Fatal Frame's otherwise dead-on-arrival sales figures. This success was enough to convince Tecmo to create a sequel, effectively birthing a franchise that would span six games 
and continue on to this very day. And that is your brief history of Fatal Frame. All right, thank you, Shane. You know what? I didn't even think about this when I was playing the game, but it makes a lot of sense. As someone who played Deception Mm -hmm. growing up, yeah, there's there's a lot of similarities in this game, and now now a lot of it makes sense going through the brief history. I'm also shocked that this game has sold like nothing. Yeah, like even even for 2001, those numbers are abysmal. <laughs> those are awful. Like I am I'm surprised that Fatal Frame even went on to become a franchise with those kind of numbers. But I guess that that bump from you know the ring and you know perhaps people's interest in. Japanese horror and kind of the the momentum that Resident Evil and Silent Hill had, I guess, helped it along a little bit. Uh, it definitely was enough to ensure that it got a sequel later on. And that's that's the important part. I think that's kind of contributes why we're talking about this today. It's just that legacy was a, was established later on, and mostly because of movies like The Ring and The Grudge mm-hmm. and a lot of those other movies that were coming out around the same time. Uh, but I think this would be a good time to roll into our own like personal stories, like our personal experiences with the game. And I just have this feeling that, you know, it's me and Shane aren't going to necessarily have a lot to talk about as we are sometimes want to do. <laughs> but I know that our guests have some fantastic stories. So I think we'll have a little sandwich here and we'll kick this off with Keaton and Keaton's personal experiences with this first. So, Keaton, I, I know you kind of already talked about it, but if you want to just kind of uh, retell this that story refresh the memory of people who did not listen to the april 1st episode about your personal experiences with fatal frame yes give us the hd remaster all right and charge more money for it (laughs) Uh, my personal experiences with uh fatal frame yeah it's i like horror games and you know whenever resident evil and silent hill made it big i was just given so many to choose from and I picked Fatal Frame, and if and Ashton, if this version sucks, then just go and splice in the version from April of the story. <laughs> but so we'll just no one will notice. <laughs> but no, so at the time I was playing Fatal Frame, and I went over to house sit for a friend. Uh, so I grabbed my memory card and headed over there. Got my game, got set up. I was, I was watching him, watching his, watching his house, watching his cats. And I was getting to near the end of the second chapter where you're just fighting a bunch of the blinded characters and they were kicking my butt. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what to do. I was in this, the ritual sacrifice spooky room and I'm like, all right, I just was getting frustrated. I had to pause and I went upstairs to go look and see. If there was any tips online about how to how to beat this this character and I get up there and it was like 430 when I paused the game to go upstairs. Uh, Nice, bright uh, light coming through the windows. I get up there. I look up what to do. I'm like, all right, well, as long as I'm here at the family computer, because this was before we had cell phones and pocket computers like, well, uh, you know, I'll just check Facebook for a few minutes. You know how that goes. (laughs) <laughs> Next thing I know, it's three hours later, the sun has set, and as I'm going down the stairs to get oh no back to back to the PlayStation in this house that I am not familiar with, and it is now pitch black, but on the far side of the room is where the game is, 
And this game has a screensaver. It flashes up red bloody handprints. Mm-hmm. So it is now bathing the far side of the room in a red glow. And the ghost don't stop talking when you pause the game. So <laughs> as I walk towards this ominous red glow, I am hearing this ghostly woman going like, where are you? And I can hear you. <laughs> and so I'm like, my eyes, <laughs> my eyes, <Yeah. laughs> my eyes. And so I am just fumbling around in the dark, trying to find a light navigating furniture. I can't see to make my way over to where the TV is. As I'm listening to this woman, just freaking out and whispering and crying. And all of a sudden, the two cats next to me start fighting. So I'm fumbling in the dark, just <laughs> right to my left. Oh, that's great. I about wet myself. I leap into the air in terror. And in that three seconds of hang time, it took like five years off my life. And then I come crashing down. And now the cats have no idea what's going on. This dude next to them that they don't know just leaped into the air, comes slamming down. They just take off hissing and running and screaming. I'm terrified. They're terrified. Yeah, that is my personal experience with Fatal Frame. I don't know how anybody's going to top that, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) That's terrifying. I have no idea. I'll just go next and say I I didn't play this game. (laughs) I just bought it for like two bucks on the PlayStation Store a few years ago and had not played it until now on my PS3. And I've always heard it was scary and interesting, but I hadn't played it. I just heard it was really scary. And that's my personal experience with it, because I was too busy playing the Resident Evil games and not completing them because I was too scared and Silent Hill 2. That's about it. And uh, how about you, Shane? <laughs> uh, I'm Honestly, I'm just jealous that you picked this up for like a few bucks. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I also did not have any personal experiences back in the day with with this game. I think the extent of my survival horror right around the early aughts um was almost exclusively silent hill i think at that time at least as far as like console games go i was vaguely aware of this game and i had been for a long time um i've always heard the name fatal frame and it always sounded like something i would be into it sounded interesting because you know i I, I'm I'm known to enjoy a good horror game from from time to time. So it only seemed like something I wanted to check out and I just never did, mostly because for the majority of my life, I have not owned a PlayStation 2. I have a PS2 Slim now and I have for a few years. So I've been slowly kind of grabbing titles that interest me for it so I can go back and see what I missed. But yeah, I never got a chance to really play it. And then, you know, we were talking about doing this episode and I was like, all right, well, I I should I should get a copy of Fatal Frame because I need to play it. And uh, some fortunate eBay seller got like eighty dollars because that's like what I had to pay to to get it. What's his name? Tiger. It was not. Unfortunately, (laughs) I mean, honestly, what's funny is if like if I had figured out that it was him, I would have just like hit him up on Discord and been like, I'm coming to your house. But um. (laughs) Yeah, so so there you go. And, you know, I, we mentioned this in the discord, but full disclosure. Thank you once again to our beautiful patrons, because you are funding more content because you you funded the purchase of this game so that I could play it so we can make this episode for you. So 
So thank you for that. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of it for me, man. Um, something I heard about but never got a chance to experience until very recently. Mm-hmm. How about yourself, Lindsay? Well, I've played this game a lot. I didn't play it right when it came out. I wasn't really privy to game releases at that age. I was middle school and I didn't have a PlayStation 2. This was when me and my brother had already split and we had our own separate consoles and I went more Nintendo and he went the PlayStation route. So he had a PlayStation, but I didn't use it very much. And I had like, what was this year? GameCube? Dreamcast GameCube? Mm -hmm. Yeah, GameCube was a little... eh. Anyway, so my friend, though, she had a PlayStation. And so sometimes we would rent games and go to her house and we rented Fatal Frame because we're both sort of horror people. Like, hey, let's try this game. And we would play it and we got so spooked that it was we could not like we could not get very far. So we basically had all of our girlfriends come over as four of us and we all sat around the TV and we're like, "Okay, Lauren, Lauren was the one whose house we were at. You could do this. And so we would turn it on and she would go and she would scream. And if she would get too scared, she'd throw the controller to someone else and then they would pick it up and then they would go as far as they could until we all screamed and then. Then we throw the controller to another girl and we beat that game <laughs> that way. Like we would just play until we, the person who was playing was just too terrified and too stressed. And then they would toss the controller to another girl. And then we'd all rearrange and give that girl the pillows and whatever she needed. And then we they, she'd keep going. And this was a rental and we didn't have a memory card. So this was <laughs> what we needed to do. Wow. Holy wow. shit. You did this in one sitting? We, yeah. We. This is also the same girl that like I went to her house and we did... The entire weekend, we we watched the entire Lord of the Rings extended version, and we like would take naps between the movies, and then re- and then start the next one. Ah, uh, okay. Like, so we were we were very determined to finish our our goal, but I, like I don't remember. I do remember very clearly that we had gotten to the final boss, and we could not figure out how to beat her. And Lauren at this point wasn't as wasn't as scared, so she was taking the lead more more often, and we would just sit there and take teeny tiny bits of health out of the out of the final boss and then she would heal herself and we were like i don't know what to do and i don't even think we'd beat it and we had to return it but later she bought the game and we basically did the same thing again but like we were way better then and around that time i think is when the second one came out so we every so often after that we would go to her house and we'd play all three games Oh, that's awesome. Just go through them and she'd be like, I'm playing this game again. And be like, I'm all, I'm coming over. <laughs> <laughs> so like without a memory card, that means you had to go through the entire game without dying. We had right? to, yeah, we had to leave it paused. And, that, you know, that's how we learned about the super spooky the screensaver. And we had to make sure that the PlayStation didn't overheat because if we overheated, we knew it was going to like it was going to poop out. <laughs> so, so it was a, it was a lot of and I mean we got to the final boss and I want to think I want to remember if like we got it on that same weekend where we were running it and moving it back and forth or maybe this was after she was so frustrated we didn't beat it and went and bought it and also got a memory card there because eventually you know we had a memory card and we would go back and try to beat our scores and stuff but that first night when she had rented it was like that was that was so much fun and that, that has and just because of that memory it's it's basically in my in my memory as my favorite horror game franchise, which there, you know, there's not many of them. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And I never particularly liked resident evil just because I liked games that didn't use guns. I just felt it was like cheating, but again, I never like played them. So I like, I was just pooing in them for no reason. 
Um, I think Resident Evil are great games, but I really liked Fatal Frame. I just thought it was cute, unique, and I obviously have a really great memory with it. So that's an awesome story. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think that like trying to beat this game without a memory card might be the most terrifying part of all. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, right? You're like, oh gosh, good man. I hope we don't die or whatever. <laughs> Can't die. Can't die. Please don't die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. Speaking of good stories, though, that does transition us over to the plot and writing section of the show. And I'll have Shane, how about mm. you kick us off with this one and and kind of give us a brief synopsis of what this game is about and what you think of the what you think of the plot? Uh, yeah. So, you know, like we mentioned in the brief history, it's set in 1980s Japan. You as the character are using your your camera obscura, which, if I recall correctly, I believe was handed down to you by your mother, who also uh, had some manner of supernatural abilities. I think I'm trying to piece together everything that happened. So there were a number of people um, that end up going to this this mansion that has, I guess, gained a, a reputation for being like maybe not the best place to be, you know, the, the typical murder house things be happening there that you, you shouldn't, you know, be a part of maybe built on top of a burial ground, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> kind of shit. One of those people happens to be your brother, uh, who goes to investigate the missing person. I believe it was, uh, some guy that went there. Someone's gonna have to fill in the rest of this for me. But suffice to say, I don't remember their names, to be it. honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> Whose names do you need? Because there is literally a correlation section in the game that gives you everybody's name and relationship to each other. Yeah. I'm looking well, at it right yeah, now. Hold on. Let me let me get my manual. I have, I have <laughs> this game. I have this game complete in box for my PlayStation 2. So let me just look at the manual. <laughs> oh, it's like humble brag. All right. <laughs> you know, I just I came prepared. I, just, uh, I know. I, I could have made 80 bucks off of Shane. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> you could have. But at any rate, yes, that is actually something that I was going to bring up, which I thought was like maybe not entirely necessary, but like awesome that they even did it, uh, that you do have, you know, this entire like web of people and how they are connected available to you as you sort of discover more of the lore and like the books and notes and stuff that are scattered around the mansion. You start to kind of piece together the different sort of plot threads of the different people who have come here and ultimately were claimed by the supernatural power uh, that exists at the mansion. But it really all kind of boiled down to a some like Shinto rituals, I believe, that were occurring um, that involved human sacrifice and some other, you know, kind of bad juju, things like that. Um, and that's sort of what birthed the the negative uh, spirits Calamity. that are inhabiting the house. One in particular that was kind of like the nucleus of the whole thing. Kiri, I believe her name is, if I'm correct. Kyrie. Kyrie. That's what it was. Yeah. So as far as my take on it, like I actually really I, I dig everything about the the story and like the kind of atmosphere they're building with that and the whole conceit, honestly. And and all of it is actually written pretty well as far as I'm concerned. So like I, I didn't have any issue reading through the many, many <laughs> journal entries and things that you find. I mean, that's that's something we kind of brought up in our Alone in the Dark episode, too. Right. Is like it's kind of a trope in survival horror 
And so sometimes it's maybe a little exhausting or out of place. I think it maybe makes sense here more so than other places we've seen it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was didn't think it was too bad. Plus, I really enjoyed how they presented some of this stuff, not just in like the notes and stuff that you find, but also sort of the the spirit wisps that you end up coming across that, you know, relate small bits of the story to you as you're kind of progressing through. I would maybe be so bold as to say the uh, the plot of the game is maybe one of the best parts. Mm. Mm. What do you think, Lindsay? Oh, yeah, it's one of my uh, I'm a little biased. I really like the story. I think the story that if you were not to if you didn't read all the notes and journal entries and stuff that that that'd be poo on you. But they do a <laughs> lot where they exa- they make it so it's easy for you to read it. And then also, you know, they continue it with little cutscenes and stuff. And she has these realizations for you. So even if you didn't even go into the more in-depth like stuff you have to like kind of look into like every photo you take of every ghost if you go look at that photo it'll tell you a little story about that ghost not necessarily Mm. like a full depth character evaluation but like this person's doing this because they're scared or you know something like that it's a little better than that (laughs) but you can like really get a feel for even all the little ghosts that you beat they all have a bit of a backstory I mean, you could spend like hours kind of mapping okay well this person went there and one what just by what this what the vanilla game gives you and you played on the ps2 i did yeah okay so you so you're gonna have like pretty much full access to it i think the ps3 has added ghosts and added uh a little bit more story i don't remember but the ps2 one hmm. like is 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 fully fleshed out in my opinion just it's, it's just a really cool thing to like i think the ghosts themselves are really interesting to look into and figure out and like why are they attacking me Oh, they're trying to tell me that she's blind. Well, yeah, I understand that. Thank, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes. <laughs> My eyes. <laughs> and like, and part of their story too, I also think you do miss things because they don't explain. There are like really random stuff they don't explain at all that you're kind of supposed to like realize. And I don't, I think some parts are not done particularly well, but like the blinded lady I think is done, is pretty good where they try to tell you how you're supposed to fight her and, and other ghosts as well, I think. Mm. Which was still, in my opinion, horseshit because I did what they told me to do and I still got fucking mauled by that bitch. So, like, we'll yeah. get there, Shane. We'll <laughs> yeah. get there. She is. Sorry, this is about the story. Yeah. <laughs> Calm yourself, Iago. <laughs> Malting. <laughs> Something you said there, I didn't know you could do. I didn't know you could go back and look at the photos and get information on what you take a picture of. I didn't know you could do did that. Did you beat the game? I did. Okay, then yes, you can do that. <laughs> oh, so I, I didn't I didn't know. I just thought it was all just spoops and you kept fighting things over and over and over again. And I didn't know that was there was that additional information. Yeah, you so that's cool. You uh, fight specific ghosts at specific times and there are reoccurrence of some of them, but they're there for a kind of a particular reason. There are some ghosts I'm like, I'm not sure why you're mad at hmm. me, but uh, most of them, they're like, they only appear because you did this or because you are at this particular night or you open this particular door, stuff like that. Huh. That would explain a lot. I'll get more into that in the gameplay. Why there is like sometimes it'd be like, why the fuck are they here now? <laughs> I guess that would make sense. I need to look into that or maybe not. Well, I'll just look it up online or something. But my thoughts on the plot in general is like, this is a this is a Japanese horror movie. Mm-hmm. If you've watched a Japanese horror movie, this 
game is that to a T. It talks about like the vengeful ghost. I mean, slight spoilers here if we haven't said it. Well, we haven't said it yet, but yeah, there's going to be some slight spoilers here. You have this ghost that's really causing all these problems to everyone who comes into this mansion that you're in and it like abducts children or it kills the visitors or whatever. And essentially it, it follows a lot of Japanese movie tropes where this ghost is the spirit of a wronged person who died and did not want to die and is now just it, I don't understand why this is something in, in Japanese lore or culture. But if a spirit is wrongfully killed, it just kills a bunch of innocent people in its quest for vengeance or whatever. I don't get it. But it's your like purpose as Miku to kind of wrong these rights. And if you're into Japanese horror, this game is so good at that story. I would even say like a lot of those tidbits that you were talking about, Shane, that filled in the plot. I didn't even like they're more filler like but they weren't necessary. I think that's what's cool about this game. It goes more along the Resident Evil route where you don't have to read all the tidbits of it like you did in Alone in the Dark. Like if you only if you want to know the story, you have to read everything in Alone in the Dark. This goes more of like the more modern survival horror that it just provides background exposition that you don't really have to see because everything else is really there. You can kind of infer everything. Those little extra details that Lindsay was talking about with the ghosts and stuff like that that I didn't know about. Those are really cool, but you don't need it. And if you just go that route, you're going to enjoy it. If you like the ring, if you like the grudge and I like the ring and I like the grudge. So, of course, I like this. I didn't think it was anything spectacular or anything amazingly special, but I think it was highly appropriate. And I couldn't think of any other plot or story that you could really do in this setting. uh, All things considered. Yeah. And I mean, to your point about the relative necessity of the the journal entries and notes and whatnot um they also just make that super accessible in that if there is something that is required for you to like solve a puzzle or something it will be very clearly highlighted in red text so there's (laughs) like really no no way that you can miss that so that's nice too it's not like hidden in there again like to your point about like alone in the dark where it's like yeah you need to listen to this entire narrated thing so that you can figure out the obtuse clue that we're going to give you on how to kill this gargoyle with a mirror or whatever. Exactly. Uh, Here's a picture of a knife or I mean, we'll get to the puzzles in the gameplay. I think some of the puzzles were, they didn't really explain a lot and maybe I just missed it and how to solve some of them. But yeah, you're right. Like a lot of those, a lot of the journal entries that do provide plot also do provide very overt solutions to the puzzles. Yeah. And I will say before we, round this out i just wanted to point out that i feel like i'm I'm not going to get into it right now because i know we're going to talk about it (laughs) later but if it weren't for maybe some things that i'm not a huge fan of that may or may not have to do with gameplay (laughs) i can totally see how people would want to go and replay this game for a lot of those story elements because if you're super into the game and obviously Lindsay is slash was you can go back and replay, you know, kind of like new game plus and just go ghost hunting to try to find all these to like fill out your fucking poltergeist Pokedex, if you will, <laughs> and get that additional information and like read up on all the ghosts. And I, I do appreciate that they're all very purposeful, that there there is a in-universe justification and explanation for why all of these ghosts are there what led them to be there and and ultimately what happened 
because it does really lend a lot of sense of place to, you know, the environment that they've built and makes it that much more believable. It's not just a matter of like, well, you, you, we need enemies. So here are some randomly generated things that we threw at you. Yeah. So I do appreciate that. And before I kick it over to Llama, I just want to say I think the ending sucks. I think it's just completely out of character. Now, Llama said there's a different ending than the one I got on the first go round. But it was just like nothing matches. There are three. Oh, there's three endings. Uh, I did not know a that. Third. Well, if you play it on PlayStation 3, there are three endings. Oh, OK. I played the PS2 version on the uh, PlayStation 3. So I was through the PlayStation Classic. I don't know if that oh, is included in that. No, they had. Yeah, they had a redone. I don't know what they called it, but they had a they had like a Fatal Frame one for the PS3 version where they added a couple things. Oh, wow. OK. But I can just tell, like, the ending, the ending I got, which I guess is just the basic ending, it was just completely uncharacteristic, but I do understand this, like, a Japanese horror movie trope, where it's like, I'm gonna stay here and protect her. Like, no, you, you're an idiot. Like, get the hell out. She tried to kill you for 90% of this game. 99% of this game. You're gonna be like, no, whatever. I do agree. I totally forgot to say anything about the ending, but I, I definitely is, like, wasn't the best. I did all the stuff I wanted to. But if you got the other ending then you might not have been so disappointed. Uh, I'll have to look that up now because I don't know exactly what happens because I didn't want to replay it. Uh, Llama, <laughs> we're on to you. I only got the, the first ending. I, I did look up the second. And from what I remember of Fatal Frame 2, I think like the bittersweet ending may be a bit of a Fatal Frame trope, but then you can get a better ending if you play through it on hard mode. So it's sort of an incentive to go back, but that's just my theory based on two of five games. So a game mm-hmm. theory. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would say you are definitely onto something because the good ending is usually the one like the, the style that you got just generically for this one. And then you would kind of have to try a little harder on the other games. But this one where. You're like, oh, no, but at least everything worked out is sort of like a fatal frame. Seems like all the other games do it, too. Mm. And I hope with that I have successfully hidden the fact that I have nothing new to contribute to the discussion of plot and writing because y'all did a really good job covering that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Keaton. I think I called you Llama again. I'm it, sorry. It's I'm fine. Gonna, every single time I do that, just smack me down. It's fine. You're Keaton. Despite everything, it's still me. I know. I just kind of little self-blow. Yeah, once I started writing questions for the Retro Olympics, available on podcast everywhere, and started doing morning trivia quizzes in the Retro Hangover Discord, which y'all should join, just started to segue from a llama, which I had identified with for 20 years, to a Keaton, which are Hyrule's and Termina's notorious quiz masters. It seemed like a logical thing to do. Makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It does. I guess this next section, I'll start out with Lindsay. Uh, what is because it? What's the section, it, Chris? <laughs> it's the gameplay section. Oh my because God. If I start out if I start out with you, Shane, we'll be here for the remainder of the night. What are you talking about? I <laughs> never ramble about things, says the person who had a two and a half hour fucking Silent Hill episode. Anyway, that was both of us. On. <laughs> Have you all thought about borrowing the rage meter from Secret Levels? Sounds like you might need it. <laughs> this is why we're starting with Lindsay first. <laughs> So, Lindsay, yeah. tell us why we're about to just be completely wrong about the gameplay, because uh, I think everyone knows where we're heading with this. So so talk about what you think of the gameplay. So it's an absolutely fantastic and well-polished system. Oh, there's nothing wrong hmm. with it. Great. 
None. The, the best thing. Okay, so all right, gameplay wise. So you got the camera. You got to turn the camera on. You got to snap a photo. That's that's how you do your thing. If you want to get extra points, you hold the camera there and look at the ghost long enough to get your point meter up. And don't put the camera down. You put your camera down. You drop your meter, and you got to do it again. Basic strategy every game uses it nowadays everyone wanted to use it then but they didn't know how so some minor inconveniences but are thought about i thought by the developer so here we go when you when you pull the camera up you can actually still move which is great i thought that was very nice it's like if you shoot a gun you can still kind of move around you don't have to just stand there and aim and you have the triangle button which is the quick turnaround which you need for a lot of the ghosts because they tend to disappear and come out behind you and then you just whip around and you just smack them in their face they're like oh how did you know <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is she doesn't walk very well but she runs really well so if you're not totally terrified and you just hold the square button then you probably won't have any issue however if you just try walking around you might have some issue the problem with that is because of the set camera angle and once it yeah. changes to another angle and if you're she's gonna go left if you're holding left and she's facing left if your camera now says your left is now right and you're holding still left she's now gonna go right but if you hold down square the entire time she will always go forward so any time that the camera changes to a different angle or you go through a door whatever if you're just holding square she's gonna go forward she's never gonna steer you wrong this is the only way you need to navigate stairs don't ever try walking upstairs just run Oh, dude. Yes. Yeah, I figured that out way <laughs> too late into the game because like I'd be like walking upstairs and I'd be pressing in the direction and then halfway up the stairs, she'd turn around and be like, go down now. And I'm like, Bitch, what? <laughs> like so many times, so many times you if you watch any streamer, anyone playing this game, even if you look up a YouTube like, oh, gee, how do I where do I go? You'll see them every single no, no fail. The camera will switch. Their character will do an about face, and then suddenly the oh no shit! I'm I want to go down the stairs still because <laughs> you know they don't want to run. If you hold square, you're gonna everything's gonna be fine. Surpr I still think surprisingly the game mechanics and everything in it work really well. There are some strange lag issues. Like if you take a picture and like you took a picture and it didn't register, the ghost still attacks you. There's some of those, but I think they're just. <sighs> comes with it comes with the uh, the new type of ip the playstation 2 forces you to go through doors if you open it playstation 3 doesn't do that so they did that differently but otherwise like it's very intuitive if you walk past a hidden ghost it'll tell you if you walk past a, a mean ghost it'll tell you it is something that you are very bad at until until you replay the game i feel like it's it's a hard thing to get used to this type of gameplay but it does work for what it's trying to do, but it, it's not very simple. I think the Fatal mm. Frames later are a bit more simple, but I, I don't remember exactly what they do differently. Other than I think the controls just move faster because she's Miku's pretty slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're behind the camera, which I'll, I'll talk about. Yeah. It's, you know, don't there. Yeah. yeah. Don't, it's not good to really fight while holding the camera just as long as you're already facing your the way it's just good to get in position to get a better shot because different types of shots give you better points and they hurt the ghost more and blah 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 yeah llama break down what you think of the gameplay here all right so we got lots of good and we got some bad mm. uh in particular i want to point out that 
I really enjoyed how in the combat it never felt casual. <laughs> Most survival horror games, by the time you get to like the end of the game, your character has four guns and a rocket launcher. <laughs> True. It feels like golf to me. Like, mm, there are three zombies a good distance away. Uh, Caddy, hand me the sniper rifle or the, the or the suit <laughs> pistol. Or, you know, it's like, ah, yes, uh, a monster is close by. Shotgun, please. That's a real fair point. Here, it's yeah. always yeah. just crap. That meter turned red. I am about to be attacked by something. The way that the combat works where you have to try to get the as much of the ghost in your frame as possible, it feels intense. It's you're watching this thing coming towards you. Just like, come on, come on, just a little bit closer, just a little bit closer. And we'll get more into the look on graphics. But these are not pleasant ghosts to stare at. <laughs> no, you just get this horrible mm -hmm. visage just coming closer and closer until you have to wait to that light split second to get that shot. And that is some intense combat. But looking for the hidden ghosts sometimes can be really Really frustrating, but they're not necessary. Well, no, but well, they give you points. Sorry, I'm sorry, Lindsay. Go on. Well, I was scoffing at the unnecessary part, but sure, yeah, you don't have to get them all. <laughs> they give you points, and points help you let power up your camera. And and you got to have a powerful camera, or else those ghosts are just going to plunge their hands into your chest and rip out your soul for a lot of hit points. Yeah. Yes. Especially the hidden ghosts. I think on the second. Or third night, I don't know. I think the second night they start giving you three thousand points each. Mm -hmm. Oh, you need them. You need them. Yeah. So they're they're a quick way. Say quick, but they're a <laughs> good supplemental like power up to your camera that you should utilize. Mm -hmm. There, yeah. There was one like I was going up a small staircase next to a large staircase, and it's like glowing really strong, and there's nothing there, and you had to like go to a completely different angle to get the shot. That was. That was a little frustrating. Yeah, or sometimes they'll be like around a wall. Mm. Or they're that upstairs. A few times. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The one that like if you're outside in the atrium, there's I think there's a ghost that's on the observatory above you, or it's like on the door, you know, you have to unlock one of those doors and it's like just mm. glowing. You're like, where is it? I don't understand. I'm just I'm gonna leave. And you're like, oh, it's upstairs. Those aren't nearly as frustrating as the ghosts that just appear. Oh. Like the the plot specific ghosts. The wandering ghosts. The ones that give you 0.5 seconds to capture them. Yeah. Uh -huh. the, those yeah, those are yeah. extremely frustrating. I didn't get many of them. And sometimes the worst part about that, too, is that they'll be in your picture. Yes, they will be in your picture. You'll <laughs> yes. see them in your frame. They'll be there and they won't give you credit this, for it. There's, there's no Pokemon ghost snap ass <laughs> bullshit. They're yeah. just like, there's yeah. no ghost in this photo. There's I'm no like, bro, half photo. the frame is the ghost. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, those, uh, I, I, my theory, and I'm pretty sure this is correct, that those ghosts are specifically for you to come back in in-game plus. Some of them are really right next to a save point. Like, come on. but. A lot of those are, you better remember this guy when you come back, because, uh, you know, it, it adds to the replay value. And I think it was a forced replay value for some of those ghosts. Like, yeah, that's that's infuriating. Yeah. I, I don't even care if that's like a purposeful design decision. It, as someone who is generally compelled to be a, a collector in games where I'm trying to get everything, the fact that there are not only missable ghost encounters, 
but that they are like unfairly missable in that it's just like, oh, you opened a door and a child ran by behind these fucking kimonos or whatever. And like Figured. you had a, a two inch gap to catch a photo of him in in like about half a second. So I guess you didn't get it. I'm just like <laughs> for for like the first half of the game, actually, the the vanishing ghosts were more infuriating to me than the combat. Like, no joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have that collector mentality, yeah. Right. But like, yeah, if you don't have it, I was just like, oh, whatever. I missed it. I didn't know they're giving me points until much later. And then I was like, like, I missed a lot of points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those ghosts are the reason I could not play without a memory card. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But what I'll say is kind of to what, what you were both saying, Lindsay and Keaton, is that most of this game, most of the game, the gameplay is fine. Like, I have no issues with it. I like the 2D controls, the camera. Yes, it does swap out a lot. But if you do hold down square, it doesn't require you to touch the the analog control at all. And once you learn that, it, it controls a lot better because 2D controls like everyone's like, oh, tank controls suck until you realize, hey, when your camera frame switches all over the place, you kind of want your tank controls back. Mm. But mm. it's it's not that bad. Not like like I had a problem with Silent Hill 2 when I turned on the tank controls and I was like, I can't do this here. It's it's manageable. So I, I do like that. The puzzles aren't aren't bad at all i kind of like the puzzles and they they do kind of make you think without being like overly simple or overly complex the only thing i didn't like about it is like it had a clock and it didn't tell you it was in reverse or whatever maybe i missed that but uh Uh, like that's something i had to look up it's like what do i do in these these things and eventually you know you you figure it out and it's not that big of a deal it's it's also a localization issue because those yeah they're in Japanese and they say the they say mm-hmm. the numbers, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, excuse me, sir. I'm American. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but they're not help. even like they're not even like traditional Japanese numbers because right. I can at least read some of those. Right. Yeah, they're like they're like straight up like maybe old, old school Japanese. I have no idea. I think you're right. And I think, you know, if you're a native Japanese speaker, it might even been cute to be like, oh, wait, that's the card. Oh, and then <laughs> that's what my but- grandma used to write. <laughs> But here we're like Google Translate. Well, that one says eight. <laughs> Is this, are these numbers? I don't understand this moon language. What is happening? Yeah, I mean, and that's like once I figured that out, like once I looked that up and I was like, oh, it's like a clock, but backwards, then it, it yep. was not a problem at all. Yeah. Well, even what Lama says, like the tension and the enemy placement is is rather brilliant. I mean. Before I get to the combat, because the combat is where I'm going to flip the script on this, but like the enemy placement itself, when you're running through the mansion and like you don't go to the scripted battles, but you're trying to find things or you're trying to go back to a safe point because, you know, you're about to go into a difficult battle or situation and you're like, oh, shit, why is my controller vibrating? Why do I hear this weird jingling like these weird bells jingling and what the fuck is coming after me? I don't know if I've really played a survival horror game that got me that on edge because these are ghosts that you can't see and you don't know what's coming at you and you don't know what you're about to fight, especially when you read up on these things called wandering monks that are just supposed to completely tear your ass apart. Oh, they did. And you're like, yeah, it's like, don't fight those, but you don't know if they're going to be around the corner. You don't know when they're going to appear. And it seems rather random. Now, Lindsay says they're not because of things that you can read about them later. And that's that's also cool. It's yeah. like you have to meet certain situations in order to, to trigger these things. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, there's a certain amount of RNG after you 
which I had some pretty bad RNG, let me tell you, after you oh, yeah. unlock the ghosts. But yeah, it's it's cool. Like you're not gonna get the wandering monk in the first night, you know, for, for reasons. But yeah, once you once you get to that point, you know, be careful. Oh, it's that makes it terrifying. I love that. Like I love the fact it's making me scared, but I also know that like I can get away from it. And I don't have to deal with it as long as I, I as I make sure I get there. So, like I said, the majority of this game, gameplay is fine. Finding items, everything like that. There's there's always seemed to be enough film. Not enough healing items, though. Oh. And this is where I'm going to get to the combat. This is where I had some serious problems. Is I get that Lama saying it provides tension. It does because every battle is losable. Uh, I, I kind of get that what Lindsay is saying that you kind of have to get good as the boys say, you know, get good scrub. But I have significant issues with this because like you take out your camera and you have to position yourself that the, the, the ghost might be in frame. Now, some of the easier ghosts, they're not a problem, but then you get to ghosts that hide their head or ghosts that teleport or they do something weird. And then when you get into this position, you'd think they have first person controls with the analog sticks, which is what I thought. Now, I have to remember it was still pretty novel back then because this was around just before Halo came out and the, the standardization of how you move around in a first person perspective hadn't quite been firmly established yet. But I kept on defaulting to that and became really hard to move and track a ghost at the same time. So I would take tons of damage and sometimes ghosts would attack you and you wouldn't know they would attack you or they, you wouldn't know how they would attack you or you couldn't see them. And you'd think that this could be corrected by putting points into your camera, as we discussed, to get special abilities so you could see them. Or you could slow them down. Only when you press the button, it didn't really seem to have any noticeable effect for me when I used my special abilities, convincing me that I had to put all my points into just the basic stats of the camera because that's what really seemed to matter. And uh, juggling film around too uh, wasn't that big of an issue because you have different levels of film. You have 14 film, I think 37 film, 74 film, and 90 film. You're going to spend most of your time using the 37 film, mm -hmm. if not the 14 film, once they're upgraded. But it just gets to this point where I think you said this too, Lindsay, where like you're, you're battling a ghost and they're coming into frame and it's right with that orange marker for a critical hit because you can attack these ghosts before there's a critical hit. It's just you, you might make sure that all the, the symbols go into them and it's like going to do damage. But you press it because sometimes you can't get them in frame and it's right. They get in the frame. You press the button. It's in there. and It doesn't register. And all of a sudden, half your life is gone. And then you have to get a new spirit mirror or whatever <laughs> and it's just it becomes infuriating and that's what i had with the combat is that for all the atmosphere for all the tension for all the amazing feelings that this game was giving me in towards of reaching its objective which is to make me scared which is spooking me out which it was doing by the end of the game it was more frustration i was getting the feelings from defeating a ghost that i would from a difficult battle from an action game and that is problematic for a horror game when I'm screaming at the enemy I just defeated, like squid bagging them and saying, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. That shouldn't be what you're getting in a horror game. And that's why I got because these battles became so difficult, specifically with the four priests oh. and that stupid, that stupid enemy with the katana that can kill you in oh, one hit. Oh, yeah. And it just became and teleported all over the place. Yeah, he moves. Always yeah. teleporting. And I was like, I, I, I can't deal with this. I know that's later in the game and I know like the last chapter is pretty much just a coast, 
like it's a space ghost coast to coast, but it's like really like that. The third night, it just made me want to rage quit this game and just never, ever touch it or consider touching it again. Huh. That, that's how bad the combat is. Funny, because that's what I did. <gasps> like as soon as I got to no. those priest battles, I was just like, ah, fuck this. I'm out. Like I died, I think at least half a dozen times on that first priest fight. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like I've seen enough here. And like, it's unfortunate, right? Because, you know, like I said earlier in the, in the plot and writing, I, I really, really enjoy the concept of this game. I even like the idea that you're using a camera in the way that they've sort of gone with here. I think it's novel. I, I'm all about it. And of course, I love this style of horror. I'm much more into building tension and dread sort of horror rather than just cheap you know, Freddy Fazbear jump scares or whatever. And so I think this has a healthy balance of everything. And so I really, really actually wanted to like this game more than I ended up actually liking it. And a lot of actually not a lot. All of it comes down to how the combat is implemented and the balance of encounters and availability of recovery items. And these are all things that Chris kind of already mentioned, but I 100% agree. Because there was a point where, strangely, I was getting more of those spirit stones uh, or the mirrors where they allow you to basically it's like a it's like a fairy in a bottle in Zelda where like if you die, it just refills you to full automatically. I had like four of those laying around the mansion as extras because I already had one and you only carry one at a time, which is bullshit. And so there was a point like halfway through the game where I was just like, okay, so. Does this game like want me to not use healing items and instead just if I take damage, just keep get taking damage until I die and then burn a a stone? Because those were more readily available than the herbal medicines or the water, sacred waters waters that heal you, which was like strange to me. And so that's kind of the tact that I took. And then I ended up getting into, you know, the third night, as Chris was just mentioning, and things really start to ratchet up. And I was going into boss battles with zero healing items, probably already injured. And I was just like, this feels bad. Like, I'm not prepared for this fight at all. And it almost feels like it comes down to just praying to RN Jesus that, like, things work out. And if not, then I hope I saved, you know, before I went and did this. And as far as like the the combat mechanics go, I'm actually really hoping and maybe Lindsay, you can probably inform us a little bit about this. Not that this episode has anything to do with the follow on games, but I feel as though the functions of the camera were either useless or way too costly to even bother with on a couple of levels, because on one hand, buying the bonus functions for the camera beyond just leveling up the raw stats is expensive in in terms of the currency that you're using to to do it but then also you are limited in how many times you can use those abilities by these these stone items that you pick up i'm sure i probably missed some but i think i had maybe 14 or 15 of them in total playing through the entirety of this game up until those priest battles so realistically that means i could have only used a bonus function on my camera at most, maybe 14 or 15 times through the entirety of the game. And when I I tested this as a theory, 
because like all of you, I, you know, I read also basically any walkthrough on this game is just like, fuck the bonus features, just level your camera because holy crap, you need it. Like you need to be able to do more damage. You need to do this, blah, blah, blah. And so that's what I did. But then I saved and I was like, you know what? I, I have enough currency. I'm going to buy this one that allows me to automatically track to where a ghost is because of all of the things I could do. This sounds like the most useful. Now, in my head, and <laughs> naive as I was, <laughs> a, a summer child, one might say, I was just like, oh, well, clearly what this means is I can activate it and it will just automatically move my camera for me to track the ghost I'm currently engaged with so that I can just focus on timing my shots right. That seems like a really good ability that I would like to use. That is not what it fucking is <laughs> at all. At all. Yeah. It's like I unlocked it and I'm like, all right. And for the record, do you want to know the ghost that I tested this out on? It was the fucking monk, by the way. It was a bad oh, idea. No. Bad idea all around. But I, I was like, all right, I'm going to unlock this and I, I want to see what it does. And so I knew that there was a spot where I was probably going to spawn this monk ghost. So I go in there and lo and behold, there he is. And I'm like, all right, cool. L1 on my controller. What that actually does is it moves your camera automatically to where the ghost is at that moment. And then after that, it's like, all right, chief, you're on your fucking own again. And every single time you hit that button, you burn one of those spirit stones. So like I burned all 14 of the stones <gasps> I had collected through the entirety of this game in one encounter, trying to track this motherfucker through the walls. And I was just like, cool well that's useless and so i loaded the save and i never touched the bonus features again because that's <laughs> like this seems completely pointless and it's just a bummer because like i don't i'm not i don't want to shit on this game because i like i said i actually i really wanted to like it and i love what they're doing i was just really let down by how the combat was implemented and the kicker for that is like in the brief history we went over the fact that this was like almost a last minute decision where they're just like, you know, what would make our game better combat. Let's put in <laughs> combat. You know what? I disagree, sirs. I feel like if you had not done that, I would have enjoyed this game like 10 times more. I have to agree. Also, Lindsay Llama did because Shane didn't beat the game. Did you find the final boss once you knew what you were supposed to do? And if you, especially if you had 90 type film, what was the final boss? Like, stupid easy oh yeah <laughs> all right so uh this is kind of a lot like high school for me because i had this assignment okay. and it was took longer than i thought and so instead of finishing the book oh. i watched the movie or uh, playthrough. okay i'm i'm there with you you have beaten it before yes, right i have yeah i don't recall it being stupid difficult but that was 2009 so Okay. But I don't remember it being super easy or super difficult, so take that for what it's worth. When I first played the game, and a little bit before me and my friends figured it out, this and this is not, I don't think this is in the game at all that tells you this, but Kyrie can only be hit by a zero shot. You, can't, you can hit her a little bit for other things, but she's just gonna, when she teleports, she heals herself. So... It was very frustrating when you didn't know what to do. And then suddenly you're like, oh, man, I really hurt her with a zero shot. And then, you know, you're supposed to like be getting those zero shots when you can anyway. Yeah. But I do agree that most ghosts, especially for like 
even a first play, if any playthrough, it's not worth it. The zero shot, you have to, they have to get really close. You have to pray that your camera is going to take the shot and your game's not going to be like, ah, I think you get hit. <laughs> and Kyrie, the one, the one thing I agree with the healing items, I would, if I got hit too much in a battle, I would just reset because. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I can't. It's, that's such it's, it's bad, bad design. It's bad. It's so bad. But. You know, you just, you have to save your game a lot, which I did a lot in the final battle with Kyrie healing. You don't need healing items, so it doesn't even matter what HP you come in at her. So that sort of she kills you in one hit. Right, there's nothing you could do if she touches you. You're dead. So unless you have a stone mirror, if you stone mirror, that's yeah. the only thing that's good against Kyrie. But uh, she's relatively easy. She's huge. Yep. And slow. Yeah. And if you have all your basic functions maxed out by then like you get this you get ready for a zero shot pretty quickly and with a zero shot she can be really far away when you hit her it's she is very very easy the the monk battles the headless monk battles the wandering monk which you can run away from i never fought the wandering monk i took his picture to get him in my ghost list and i was like peace <laughs> he's optional <laughs> the headless priests are hard and i always made sure to save before them but kyrie is like girl let me help you out you know like you know they put an earthquake there and you're like oh this is slightly annoying and and then you get her uh the, you know you get the final little cutscene that's a little traumatizing but nothing nothing you can't really go back to because you she wasn't really that difficult once you know how to fight her no not at all not at all like and all her zero shot is it's just you charge up it charges up all the way for the camera like it doesn't have to get close doesn't have to be when she's about to attack it's just you you get all the the orbs filled and you take the picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like that's it. Yeah. And I think that was part of my problem, too. Just It was my own fault is that I kind of went into almost every ghost encounter trying to not only fill up my bar every time, but also trying to time it to get like the orange ring to get like the knockback. Oh, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And like you don't have to do that. Um, I, I, I learned that along the way, but yeah i admit especially this playthrough i hadn't played it in a long time and i literally did the exact same thing up until the headless priest and i died so much to the headless priest because i was trying to get the zero shot all the time mm -hmm. that that was when i was just like just just take his picture just like i didn't even wait for it to fill up i was just like like it got i was so frustrated like i understand and when you said that it was the headless priest that like broke that stick for you like you can even tell if if you ever asked josh i literally said to him like my problem is i'm waiting for the fucking zero shot and every time i get it i then get killed so now i'm just gonna take their picture and it's gonna be fine like everyone else does and and that's what i did and <laughs> i was very even even playing this game as much as i have it was very frustrating and i sort of forget also I don't know if you knew this, but the little fires that the priests shoot out, you can take a picture of those and make them disappear. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And that, that, now that I know that, I'm pissed. Yeah, I thought you just had I'm to run away pissed. from them. Yeah, if you like the reason I found this out and I probably knew it because before, but like when you I took his picture right after he did it, missing the zero shot as as you as I do. <laughs> and it had the little flame next to him coming towards me and I take a shot and the flame disappeared. And I was like, bullshit. So like every time you do it, I just take the yeah. picture of the little flame and then I go back to him. Uh, 
Oh, what's what's the best part about those battles too? Is that those flames are there after you defeat them. They, they can be are. dead, and then you take damage after the battle. They are there. <laughs> I mean, let's not even talk about the fact that they used like the same graphic for those projectiles as they do for like the spirit wisps so that you, you talk to. to. I want to talk to it. Yeah, I'm like the fuck, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't know. You probably don't because you don't get a little thingy, but I don't know if you're absorbing the little fires like you do for everything else to give you any more points, but I don't think so. I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, th- there are a couple of other things that I just feel like could get ironed out. Hopefully, maybe they did in future releases. Like it, it really irritated me that the the camera filament, when it lights up to tell you that something's there. Why was there not a different filament color for like the the wandering ghosts? I always thought that was weird. Why too. are they the same as the ones that attack you? I think it's just because the enemy ghosts are moving. I think that's what it's yeah. supposed to symbolize. Shit, because well, there were so many times where there was a wandering ghost. Like, okay, here's a perfect example. There's a door, right? There's one door <laughs> where you open it up and there's a ghost right there. It's it's a male ghost and he's standing right in the doorway as soon as you open it. And that fucker glows orange. And so your immediate first thought is, oh shit, this is a combat encounter. And so like... There's maybe a 50-50 chance that you're either going to try to just take an immediate shot or because he's so close to you, back away. And that's what I did. I was like, oh, I need to move and reposition to like to fight this guy. And then I find out, oh, no, that was a wandering ghost. And now I've missed the shot and I'll never get it in this playthrough again. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Like, why could make it purple or something like any other color so that you could visually see like, oh, this is one that I need to react to quickly to get not. I don't know. Maybe this will rip my face off. Like, I don't know. There needed to be something different. My theory (laughs) to apologize. I, I might defend (laughs) the game more than I should, but here I go. The wandering ghosts do all end up attacking you. I don't. That is true. I don't care. (laughs) That is true. I don't care. So so that was my theory. She's got a point. I, I, (laughs) I really did think about that too, because like, you'll stand there in the hallway and the, the your thing will glow and you're like, did I miss something or, or am I about to die? Did, right. Did I? Exactly. Oh, it's gone. OK, I guess I missed something. <laughs> no. Yeah. But it, that was my theory. Like, well, the wandering ghosts do eventually try to kill me. So I guess I should still be on edge with them. Yeah. And I guess on, on the thing about being like on edge and, and the combat difficulty, like contributing to the overall sort of environment, like, I, I guess without belaboring some of the other minor nitpicks that I have, like the fact that. Your character gets stuck on fucking geometry a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Just like, here's the thing, right? And this came up in a discussion of some other game, and I can't recall exactly what it was at the moment, but it's applicable here where I am of the mind that if you're trying to build a, a horror atmosphere, then having combat that is punishingly difficult such that you will probably have to reload and do an encounter several times something is scary once after that if you need to go back and replay it over and over again just to try to defeat it it is no longer scary it immediately becomes frustrating and so a hallmark of good horror game design in my opinion is being able to strike that balance to where you are constantly on the edge of like, oh, every one of these encounters could potentially be pretty dangerous, but not so far that you're like, 
fuck me, I have to fight this thing again for the sixth time because <laughs> I get murdered. You know, it, it's actually one of the issues that I had with amnesia because, you know, you end up getting killed pretty often by the creatures in that game and you have to replay entire sections again. And the moment you have to replay an area, all of the tension's gone. It's just like somebody let the air out of the room, you know? So I feel like maybe there could have been a little bit of a balance pass on this game and it would have benefited things even more. I told Josh while I was playing, like, God, I can't wait till they release a patch for this. (laughs) 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 It was was one of the frustrating parts. And Keats, I think you brought it up while I was in your story with the blinded. Mm -hmm. She is famous for being one of the most frustrating ghosts in Fatal Frame, mostly because of her combat. And secondly, because she appears eight times, I think, in forced boss fights over and over and over again. And she is also one of the ones that forced me to just like, fuck the zero shot, even though you're supposed to for her. Her her thing is you're, you're not supposed to move at all, even if you're in the camera and you move Miku. If you move the camera, it's fine. But if you move Miku, then she'll be like, I hear something or whatever. If you don't move at all, like Even though she's close, she won't attack you unless you don't get a zero shot, in which case she instantly teleports right in your face. And what happened for me was like I would get the first zero shot and then I'd run a few steps because she's all like crazy. And then I turn around because that's what she does, teleports behind you and wait to see if I get a zero shot. If I don't get a zero shot, then I'm just like I'm constantly hitting the shutter like, oh, shit, I missed. Shutter, 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 shutter. I don't know. Are you dead? Shutter, 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 shutter. I did not know that. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like I, I so you're you mentioned the thing about like the in-game lore or whatever, kind of leading you to like figure out like, oh, she's blinded. So if I stand still, she won't attack me, which was great. I, I liked that. But <laughs> in the fight with her down in like the what they call it, the demon's mouth or something like that. Yeah, like that, that's area. The, that particular area. That's what uh, Keats mentioned earlier that he paused it on. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's like the worst. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So in that encounter, right, I was like, I'm like, okay, I I I know what I need to do here. Like, I'm gonna stand still. And then I didn't know that part about if you don't get a zero shot, then she's like, Oh, I found you. So I was sitting there just getting so pissed off because like I'd stand still and I'd take a photo and I'm like, all right, I did some damage. I'm gonna I'm gonna charge up and take another one. And then she teleports directly in my face and mauls me. And so I'm just like, what the fuck do you want me to do, game? Do you want me to run? Do you want me to stand still? I don't know what you want from me. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly. They try to help you with her, but nobody else. And they don't even tell you, you know, the zero shot. Like, uh, you know, her brother is like, oh, if I, I learned that if I don't move, because yeah. this is funny because he doesn't have the camera. So every like note you get from him is like, can you imagine playing the game in his view, which is probably what they intended first until they're like, hey, wait, camera where you're just like hiding. <laughs> I always thought that part was a little weird where he got like so far just from like hiding from all the ghosts and he did actually see all the ghosts, but he didn't have to fight him because they didn't know he was there. Like, what the hell? I, I feel like he played a better game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it, it's actually cool too. some of the gameplay changes in game plus. Like, for instance, the little boy that comes out of the clock. He's not too difficult, although he is kind of frustrating because he runs at you. He's playing tag and hide and seek, right? You kind of mm. learn that throughout his story. In in-game plus, when you start the battle, in the in Riddle, he just comes out of the clock. In in-game plus, he is actually hiding. So you'll find him crouched behind 
the little shady thing, or you see him in the rafters, like crouch behind the rafters. If you spot him, he'll try to tag you because that's what you're doing. You're playing a game. So, but his fatal frame is him hiding and also attacking. So you, you get either one, but it's, it's kind of cute how they do revamp it a little bit, but it's funny, but like a lot of these fights make more sense in in-game plus and they're easier because you're better at it now. But in the first playthrough, there's really no rhyme or reason to a lot of or that you can't tell why they're doing such a thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Before we move on to the next section, because I know we've been taking a lot of time here on gameplay, which is not surprising. And I think generally no. most games we talk about, that's going to be the meat of the discussion anyway. But to try to tie this off with a, with a positive note, a nice, nice little bow, if you will. I do really want to quickly just expand on something Chris mentioned earlier, which was the the haptic feedback, like the rumble and the way that they implemented it in this game, because it is fantastic. It's one of the things that I noticed immediately when you start playing is if you're near something like a hidden ghost or, or something like that, you get a heartbeat in your controller, which Right off the bat, I was, you know, holding the controller and like, actually, one of the first things you see when you jump into the game is actually a hidden ghost. It's right to your, let's see, to your left when you first start. And so you're almost immediately get this like rumbling happening in the controller. And I was like, that is actually really cool. And the way that they implemented it as a means of not only kind of adding to like the tension and the atmosphere that you've got going on, but also as a way for the player to sort of no pun intended, but zero in on some of these things that they're trying to get you to, to do or see, or to make you aware that there's something nearby. I thought that was really, really well done. So credit where credit's due on that one. I thought that was a really nice touch. I, I, yeah, hundred percent agree. Rumble was implemented just so well. Agreed. Definitely agree. Yep. So moving into the graphics and how all these ghosts that we've been talking about look, as as Keaton had mentioned earlier, let's just roll right into that. I think I'll kick this one off here and say the graphics in this game. I, I I'm playing this. I granted I'm playing this on a, a PS2 classic on my PS3, so it's not a CRT, which is probably the best way that this game would look, uh, especially through a PS3. Here's my uh, CRT snobbishness coming out, of course. But it looks really good. It yeah, it's it's not a like late PS2 looking game. But for an early PS2 game, a game that came out like a year after the PS2 did, this game is a it looks phenomenal. I think it's one of the better looking games of the era. Uh, it has that weird. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show or if I talked about it on a Twitch stream, but it has like this weird blur filter. I don't care much for that was in a lot of the, the, the better looking early PS2 games. And I don't understand why it's there because it doesn't need to. I think it, it stands on its own merits. The ghosts look appropriately spooky. The environments look amazing. They they really do add to the tension in the atmosphere, which, of course, this game was heavily focused on delivering. And it does in spades. And I don't I don't really have any complaints about this game graphically. I, there, there's there's nothing that this game did from a visual aspect that took me out of it in any sense. It's I won't say it's a gorgeous game because it's not supposed to be, but it, it does provide that really dark, dank, decrepit broken feeling to it and especially in rooms that have candles the lighting is fantastic for a game from this era it still holds up you can tell it's dated of course because it is 
but for the most part, this is highly playable today and has aged fantastically. Here, here. Uh, what do you think, Lindsay? I uh, totally agree. And trying to think of something else to add to it, but there really isn't. It's um, yeah, I would actually say that parts of this game are beautiful and it's it's strange because you're kind of scared at the same time. But you're also like even the textures on the wall and what you can do, which is something I, I like to do, is if you go in camera mode, you can look at the stuff in the room and, you know, first person it and, and it doesn't like clip out or do anything. Other things do. But if you want to look at like the graphics and everything, you can put your camera out and like like look at it and it'll show as much detail as it can. And I'm, I'm very surprised the dolls, for instance, are really detailed. The little Buddha statues are not so much, but you could still tell that like where their specific injury are in one of the puzzles or like, you know, they're missing an arm and a leg or whatever. I like how in a spooky game where it's got so many different environments and not one of them is a graveyard and you're still like, oh, this is spooky. <laughs> like, <laughs> ev everything is like very, you know, the colors they do, you know, bright reds when there's bright reds and then everything else is sort of dark. So like just the contrast and the like co even composition, just everything's so well thought out. I've always loved this game. I think this is true for for almost the, every game in the franchise. Just just gorgeous, like extra level. If you and this is more gameplay, but, you know, if you walked it, there's a there's a hallway called the Lantern Hallway, which is the first hallway you go through the door you open with the jump scare that does the guy who doesn't attack you, but he's standing there. Ogata, you can run into those lanterns and they'll swoosh <laughs> and they'll move back and forth. Yes. And like just, you know, I love cute little lighting and stuff like that, that you forget for a second that this is a PlayStation 2 game. Uh, what do you think, Shane? Yeah, I mean, at the risk of, you know, just echoing a lot of what's already been said, I was really impressed with the the presentation overall. And I think what really benefits it is, by and large, like if you look at the map of this game, once you've kind of explored all of the available areas, the actual like, you know, land mass of this game is pretty small. Like you are you're basically just in this mansion and some very small offshoots. But that, I think, is to the game's benefit, because when you have a very focused, you know, sort of direction for a game like this, it allows the developers to really put a lot of attention to detail into crafting that environment. Mm. And they absolutely did that here. And I think with the the hardware that they had available and the fact that it's relatively earlier in, you know, the PlayStation 2's sort of life cycle, you wouldn't know it because they were able to do a lot of things to kind of trick you as the player into believing more of what's happening than than what really is going on there and by that i mean like the lighting and shadowing and stuff like that they can be very purposeful with it because everything here is handcrafted it's not like an open world game where you have to account for 80 different possibilities of something happening you know they have a very clear idea of every single room you're going to go through and so they can put those together in exactly the way that they want for you to be able to to experience it and so yeah and also like big props to the design of the ghosts because basically every ghost in this game is fucking terrifying in its own way especially when you're getting those up close shots and like you know you take the photo and then you get like the quick exposure and it shows you the photo that you took and like You've got that fucking 
eyeless woman with her eye sockets bleeding like about two inches from your face. So they did a really great job with with all of those as well. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, you know, in the brief history, we talked about how they took some inspiration from Silent Hills kind of, you know, design playbook. And I think they took that and like really made it their own here. So there's not really a lot that I have to nitpick. I I actually think they did a a great job. And I guess they kind of had to. Right. If you have a game centered around taking photos of things (laughs) in the game, I I would hope that things, you know, look good. Yeah, I I 100 percent agree with all that. And I think they actually do a better job in, in setting up its its visual presentation than Silent Hill or Silent Hill 2 does. And that's high praise mm. because those games are notorious for doing that. That's my own personal opinion. You can disagree with me, but I, I really think they they hit it on a higher level. Maybe not Silent Hill 1 in the horror world, but generally speaking, I think it yeah, does. Well, and I think the the presentation of not only the ghosts, but also just how they like, you know, when you when you get those wisps and then you get those like sort of floating heads that are talking to you. Like the, yeah, the weird, like uncanny valley feeling that you get from those, I think really adds to just like the overall, like unease that you get from this game. Mm. So, yeah, I, of course, good, yeah, good, good, good job all around. Lama, what'd you think? There are a lot of scary games out there and it can be very easy to make scary monsters and to make a scary setting, but to make a scary pause screen. Is something entirely different. <laughs> and kudos to this game for doing that. No, um, yeah, uh, this game does a fantastic job of its graphics and atmosphere, really putting you in there. Something I noticed, and this may have only happened to me because there were a couple of times when I got lost in what I was supposed to do and was wandering around the mansion aimlessly. There are little ghost actions that are going on. You can run by a kimono box and the kimono box will start. The lid will start shaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one time. Yeah. When I was in the lantern room and one of the lanterns started moving and I didn't touch it. It was very subtle. Right. It wasn't like drawn attention to it. Like, look, this is spooky. But it's like, this is here. This is going on. And you are noticing it. Yeah. I forgot about those cool. Like there's there's one part and I didn't get that. I didn't see this until new in-game plus when I went out onto the balcony the, for the very first time and in the screen next to the balcony is that it's actually the window into the tatami room that you get to in the next phase you don't get to it then there's a shadow of a person sitting there and i saw that my second game through and i was like wait wait a minute i looked because when you do in-game plus you'll have the the full map so i looked on the map and i was like that's the tatami room so i went back out to the observatory and the shadow was gone and i was like i didn't see that before that's creepy <laughs> And like, and yeah, just like those cool little graphic-y things that are, you know, they're probably not hard to implement, but because they took that little step to be like, hey, you know, might make it a little spooky if we make that little, just, you know, this is the 10th time they run down this hallway, but what if at this point we're going to move the lantern just a little bit? And <laughs> Yeah. We're just going to put a happy little shadow man right here. Just a happy little, there you go. What the fuck was that? What's going on? Yeah. Just a- excellent, you know, visual design all around. But I think a lot of that is is actually extends over into the the audio as well mm. to kick this one off. Uh, Lama, what did what did you think of the audio presentation? I mean, again, I got scared literally just from the audio. So of <laughs> creepy blind woman, <laughs> it is very good, very atmospheric. The ghosts are creepy. 
if when you beat the game, there's even a uh, a soundtrack playlist that you that you get, so you can hear the tracks. There is a small thing that I do have to point out. I had sometimes I had trouble understanding the ghost. Like you would fight a you would fight a, a little boss mm. ghost or a mini boss and kill it, and it would say something that was probably important. Mm. And there were times when I could not understand what it was. Yeah, I think that's extremely fair. And I'll wait till everyone says what they say before before I address that, because I do have some points so, on that. You but. know, if you make a new version, just throw more captions on there and call it good. Yeah. Uh, Shane. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have a whole lot to say on this one. I think it's all very well done. I think horror games more than anything live or die by their presentation, not only visually, but orally as well. And so they really nailed it here. I think that the ambient noise of things that either are or sometimes are not there definitely keeps you on the edge of your seat. The the music composition is very well done. I will say I, I think the only detraction and I I don't know, I'd have to go and actually watch like a, a playthrough or something of the original Japanese version, because, mm-hmm. of course, we're, we're talking about a a translation and, you know, some voiceovers. But, um, man, the voices are not great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're they're not like, OK, so like the ambient voices and stuff are actually pretty good, like the whispers and things like those are creepy. I like them. They're well done. But who gave all of the voice actors like downers before they were reading their lines? <laughs> because like, was that their idea of being creepy? Like even, even the main like dude, like the older dude that went in with the group of people, you, you would encounter him a number of times. And when you get his little wisp encounters and he relates something to you, he's talking like this. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yes. What are you doing? Like, just read the line. I, I, so, yeah, I don't know if that was a direction issue or what, but uh, that happened a number of times that I, I was not super thrilled with that. Uh, even my wife pointed it out. She was sitting there watching me play this and she's like, I hate this voice actor. Like, what is he doing? I'm like, I, I don't I don't know. And so I, I'm, I'm assuming the Japanese version was probably better. But I think the the ghost voicing though like the the ghosts you encounter especially that blind woman as annoying as that shit gets when you've fought her like eight times it is still creepy to hear her wailing about the fact that she doesn't have eyes like that was still really well done uh-huh. um so i think with the exception yeah. of some of the the line deliveries uh I, I was i was pretty impressed you know what for my notes shane i almost completely echo everything you say <laughs> i'm just looking at it like yeah uh, that's, that's pretty much everything. I think it's perfect outside of the voice delivery. What else can you say about the audio other, if, if you exclude the voices, let's, let's take the voices out of it for a minute, the voice mm. acting for the, out of it. It's perfect. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any flaws in it whatsoever. I, I mean, I'm sure someone who's really into the nitty gritty can pick, pick some things out, but I'm not. So I can tell you from my perspective, it's perfect. Yeah. But the voice acting, it's like they're trying too hard to be the stereotypical ghost. Like the the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for one of them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, I, I'm blue <laughs> and I'm a ghost. And it's like, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with it. Especially like the part where I noticed it the worst was with the four priests. 
because it felt so overacted with them. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, just or stop. Oh, the cassette tapes. Yeah, I was going to. Okay. Oh, those are so bad. <laughs> They're awful. I was telling Josh, I was like, it sounds like someone just gave them. Here's your lines. They gave them a piece of paper and they're like, okay, but what is, what is this? Uh, you're, um, you're lost in a haunted house. Um, and these are like the, your last words. Oh, am I a ghost? Um, uh, eventually. <laughs> okay. So they just read them. And like, uh, some of them are read so robotically mm-hmm. and like, okay, you're not a ghost yet. And then even Miku is like, my brother. It's been two weeks and I have not heard from him. I followed his <laughs> notes. And you're like, M- Miku, you're f- you're a totally normal person. <laughs> you can just speak. And everyone is like that. And it's not even you can't even use the excuse that they're trying to match lips or anything. They're like, it's a voice over. There's there's nothing to do. And yeah, it, very low. Effort. I literally yeah. had the exact same criticism and went and watched a lot of scenes, especially the ending. Just rewatched it in Japanese just to see and like, oh, absolute 180, you know. Uh, well, that's good, at least. Shocker. All of those audio tapes, like we were sitting there listening to it and we couldn't help but just laugh because like, you know, it's like a dude talking about how like, oh, man, we should have never come to this house and this is some creepy shit. And I'm pretty sure this person's dead and he's reading it like a fucking lunch menu. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I wanted to go. Back to what you were talking about, Chris, about the musics. Sure. The one really cool thing, and I think this is so well done that it's missed. I think I'm I think I'm right on this. The theme, I say, the the music in in each room is usually the same unless you're gonna fight a boss soon Mm. in that area. And it changes the music to it adds that like background, you know, that that creepy yeah, like, like chanting, moaning yeah. yeah yeah and the music will change you'll feel it dip a little bit when you're about to, when a random ghost pops up and it doesn't change the music but the quality is kind of like dips a little and you'll notice yourself tensing when that happens and you don't know why you suddenly know that a ghost is about to attack you but there's like this little this cute uh, music indicator and to the pause screen so when you pause the game it doesn't it still tracks you so it i i don't know what other games do this but so it keeps track of how long you've been paused and not only will those those hands pop up but the music will change and you'll hear more whispering so the whispering will grow louder it'll be more frequent and <laughs> yeah keaton knows all about that yeah i was gonna say like so by the three hours later that's why i was like really freaking bad i was like three hours like later that game must have been at screaming you. at you and wow. if you unpause the game and you're not in a boss say you're like in the hallway you will almost 100% immediately get attacked because it knows how long you've been sitting there paused and it tracks it to know that, okay, well, you need to be attacked by a ghost because you've been here for a long time. That's one of the elements I mentioned earlier about how the, how the ghosts, they're random, but they have like a purpose, mm. sort of like they, they will know stuff and you'll hear them coming and you can tell what ghost is attacking you sort of by if you can listen for, okay, I don't hear anything. I think it's the monk or you'll hear, you know, the broken neck girl, broken back girl. She, I forgot what she says, but she's annoying. Or you hear a whooshing sound and, you know, it's just like the head. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, not you. Please leave me alone. <laughs> the 
it was really easy at the end, at least. I get really excited when it is her, but <laughs> she's I think, I think she's one of my favorites. It's just like this floating head that rolls upstairs is, is kind of a silly thing. That's like the most random ghost I thought in the game. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I want to talk about before we, we say if it holds up today about the game plan, I forgot to talk about this. I just want to say because Shane brought it up when he's talking about how compact this game is and how like little of a footprint you really have to traverse is how focused this game is and how hard it is to actually get lost in this game. Mm. I, I actually really highly appreciated that because uh, the game, if you're not supposed to go somewhere uh, except for night three, because there's some side quests apparently you could do that. I did not do. If you're not supposed to go somewhere, the games, especially night one and two, you're not going to be allowed to go there. The game will force you to go where you're supposed to go for the most part. And I, I actually really do appreciate that. And the map itself is, is pretty easy to understand. I remember when Shane was saying like, oh, small footprint in terms of the graphics. And I was like, actually, yeah, like I like the way it, it kind of drove you to where you were supposed to go. Yeah. Every space is like very identifiable, so it's easy to navigate through mm-hmm. like landmarks and stuff as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say that, too, without without it being like overly like it's not like here's the pink room, here's the green room. It's like, <laughs> oh, this is where they put their dolls. You know, it's not like why is there a random doll room here? It all fits in very well. Yes. But they all all the spaces are are unique and like it's like that you could build this house. And I'm sure, you know, this is this is a kind of a traditional Japanese mansion, so it's 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 based on true story, right? Right. Well, I, <laughs> well, in in their defense on that point, they did base this on some like known haunted air quotes like locales in Japan and stuff. So I think that's where they were pulling that based on true events thing from. But maybe shouldn't have leaned into it quite so hard with the marketing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was my miscellaneous stuff. The random localization choices that they did. Oh, OK. Oh, go for it. Yeah. So the first one and it gets a little more after the series, but in this one, there's not so much. But there are like really strange ones. Like, for instance, Miku was given in the American release. And I, I don't know about like European. They gave her a black leather mini skirt. <laughs> In the mm. Japanese one, she's got her little schoolgirl flary skirt. Mm. If you look at the difference there, it's not much. It looks like they literally just flattened her skirt like against her legs so that it doesn't flare at all. And if you look at like the Japanese one, it just has like a, a more pleat there. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the argument was. And I think it was so she doesn't look like a schoolgirl and she appeals more to Western audiences because, you know, what? a power female protagonist has to wear a black miniskirt that's just how it is in a lot of these games sure what also <laughs> the cover of the freaking game for us is some white guy that doesn't appear in the game <laughs> yeah i never understood that what's going on with i don't the know cover? who this is it's some white guy with blue eyes it looks like the head man not not the original family but the one the father of the family that went there because it was haunted and he wanted to write the folklore that's what his name was he looks mm-hmm. the closest mm-hmm. to this guy, but who the, who decided instead of putting leaving the cute little Japanese girl on the cover, they put this random white guy there. Like, who is this? They're just like any of the ghosts, any He's of not, them. There's no white blue eyed ghost. There's just this guy. <laughs> He's. He's got the he's got the rope marks around his neck. So that's made me think he was the folklorist. But why would you use that guy and not the cute little girl that you play as? Are you telling me that in that in like 1800s Japan, there wasn't 
white, white, blue eyed guys getting hey, <laughs> Japanese. Tom gadgets. Cruise was a samurai, okay? <laughs> Maybe he was one of the maidens <laughs> to, that fought the Maybe. calamity. Also, you know, the ghosts that they have on the front cover don't exist. They're just creepy, spooky people. You know, here's a creepy, spooky people with outrageous eyeliner. Like, you know, it's it's just weird. It's just it's weird situations. And not like this game. I don't think they had to censor any of the ghosts like they did in in later games. But, you know, they do. They put the, so much effort into this and then they leave the clock in full, you know, ancient kanji that you can't read. Right. Yeah. It, like you, right. you can't solve that puzzle without looking it up. <laughs> that cover art is horrible. It's so d- Look right. at the Japanese yeah. one. It's got Miku it's, on it's it. It's bad. It's so bad. You know, Fatal Frame, I'll give them that. That's cute. You know, a little alliteration, a little makes more sense. Japanese. I'm a big fan of alliteration. Uh, right. Who would have guessed? Japanese games have that tendency to be like, I have no idea what to call this. It's called Yeast Seven Donna of the Age of Men. You're like, that. <laughs> Don't make fun of East. Why are you making fun of East? Luke, was it Donna, Luke, whatever. But, you know, you know Resident Evil's Biohazard. Well, okay, I guess I get it. Like, all right, you know, it, it, like, so I, I'm kind of okay sometimes with like changing the names to make it, you know, appeal more, make it make more sense. But some, some of the decision, you know, we're the only ones who call it Fatal Frame. That's it, just us. Yeah, just us. <laughs> Somebody got the localization title wrong, and maybe it was like Australia. They called it uh, we have Project Zero instead of just Zero, because in Japanese, I think it's just Zero. But they called it Project Zero. Yeah, it's just Zero in Japan. Because I think they got like a, they got the wrong email. (laughs) (laughs) It gets weirder and weirder as this franchise goes on for localization. But uh, this one just, it's like a a, a preview of what, what, what decision was that? Yeah, that's wild. I'm looking at the the back cover and that is, that is fantastic. Like this should have been the cover. It's got the hanging rope room that looks creepy. A picture of Miku with a ghost behind her and a close up of the creepy looking blind woman like right. this back cover lets you Have know you s- you're going to be terrified playing this game. I'm just saying before before we roll on past miscellaneous, if you look at any of Tecmo's covers for like any of their PlayStation stuff, they are awful. <laughs> Tecmo was doing a terrible job of cover art. And it probably explains why their games didn't do too hot here for the most part. Oh, just look at Tecmo's deception. Look at the cover up for no. that. And it's just like, I will not. It's bad. It's like, I don't want to play this. Right. It's so bad. Yeah, you're right. The back cover does. I don't I don't know here. This is this is the game you're playing. Sorry, we caught your attention with the luring <laughs> white guy. His blue eyes just drew you in. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> it's blue eyes dragon or whatever is <laughs> no. going on with Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, that's right. if they bought it thinking it's a Yu-Gi-Oh game. <laughs> it's a Yu-Gi-Oh game. One last final thing before in miscellaneous. Because uh, Shane mentioned it earlier, the ghost Pokedex. Yeah, this thing is is a nightmare. I'm looking at the ghost list and it gives you this. It tells you the number of ghosts that you have seen, but then also the number of pictures that you've t- successfully taken of them. It even gives you a success ratio just to rub it in. <laughs> it's like your success ratio is 80 percent. And here are all the gaps in the list for all the ghosts that you have missed. The other ones, it does a lot. Of, it'll like you take a picture and the picture says woman on porch. But then you look in the ghost list and it breaks down. This is the ghost of Hirasaka. She wanders in search of Takamini. That's really cool. But then it's like this gap. And it's like, who was that? You don't know. You might never know. Just an empty <laughs> spot. And that success rate is only at 80 percent. 
take that collector mentality. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, yeah, there's same. no hit. There's no Thanks, nothing. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> oh, me too, buddy. There is w- <laughs> one ghost you mentioned earlier, uh, Shane, was the kid that runs with a kimono. Yeah. Now, to be perfectly fair, I did read ahead and I knew that ghost was coming, but I got it on my first shot. Oh, well, <laughs> la-ti-da. But, and then, nah. I did miss the kid running down the hallway, which apparently was a lot easier, but... You know, what do I know? I I'm a try hard. I'm not a like normal person. Yeah, like some of those <laughs> we okay, listen, we started this game with with my wife sitting next to me on the couch and I was like, "Hey, can you bring up like the walkthrough for this and if I'm going to run into a space where there's going to be a vanishing ghost, just like give me a heads up so I know it's coming." We did that for like maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and after even after her being like, OK, this next room, there's going to be this. It's going to happen here. So you need to swing the camera to the right and click really fast, even giving me explicit instructions. And I still missed these things because of how fast they were. I was yeah. just like, you know what, hon? This is a A plus for effort. Why don't we why don't we just why don't we just put that one to bed? I'm just going to. Yep. We're just I'm, I'm, I'm doing it live. Fuck it. Like, I don't <laughs> Yeah, some of them, if they were real close to a save point, I just reloaded. I went back and I got them in in-game plus, the ones that I missed. And then you get like a super power up. Uh, so it was it was actually really it was really worth it. But like, if you don't know, oh, well, the ghost list helps if you like remember you missed one, but you can't remember exactly what it where it goes or whatever. The, the ghost list kind of helps you like, oh, yeah, there's a blank there. I do kind of remember but then some of the ghosts have the same name. So then you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got two different bound man ghosts. Yeah. Observatory man, I think is there's two of those. Yeah. And Three people killed and four different headless priest shots. Yeah. <laughs> and then kid. Oh, well, and then the combat ghost, the combat ghost. I did get all. And the, the ghost list also doesn't divide that between combat hidden and wandering and i think i think the order is combat hidden wandering or it's combat wandering hidden combats first and i did get all those my first time around because i luckily did get the monk and he is the hardest one to get a picture of and i remember like trying to fight him and just like ah never mind running away and luckily i did try to fight him because it did include that on my ghost list so at least if i got a picture of it then it would include it but but yeah, some of them random, you don't have to fight them. But if you don't, you won't get their photo. <laughs> kind of fun. Well, I guess it's time to wrap this one up. And as we do at the final section of all these episodes, we're going to talk about whether or not we think this game holds up today. Uh, me and Shane are going to go first and uh, we will let our guests get the final word on whether or not they think this game holds up today. And Shane, I'm going to start with you. Hmm. What do you think of Fatal Frame? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, Does it hold up today? I think overall, I'm going to say yes, it it does. Despite my I feel incredibly legitimate gripes with the combat, I will say that what they attempted to do here is admirable. And I really, really do enjoy the environment and the atmosphere that they've crafted. And so for that alone, I would say it's worth checking out. I would just go into it being prepared to get frustrated with uh, I'm going to say most <laughs> of the encounters in this game for one reason or another. But if if you can put up with that 
then I would say it's definitely worth it. I think some of these things probably got ironed out a little bit in some of the future releases. I was kind of poking around with some information about the series as a whole, and it seems like maybe some of those things got fixed. So there you go. But if you want to see where it started, then I think it's worth the time. And even in a like a very casual, I got lost maybe a couple times because I forgot where a certain thing was that might have happened playthrough i was i think like six or seven hours so it's also not a huge ask and if you enjoy it enough and the combat doesn't irritate you as much as it did for me then there definitely is a lot of replayability and uh, going through the second time with your fully like upgraded camera and stuff like that is probably going to actually make it a better experience that time around, I think, than the first, which is a little odd. It's like an RPG asking you to stick around for 30 hours before it gets good. But yeah, I, I think this game gets sold on just the atmosphere alone. So I think that by itself, if for nothing else, is is worth experiencing. So I would say yes. All right, I'll go next year. And this is an extremely tough game to say whether or not it's held up today for me, because if you, if you want to talk about a game that if you, you know, reading the brief history and, and going into the research and what the developers set out to do, which is to create a very oppressive and frightening atmosphere, it succeeds in spades. It's one of the most spookiest games I've ever played. But then you get to the combat, which we have discussed has has frustrated all of us, like to an immense degree. And. I start to think about, and this is what I even said in the gameplay, when a scary game goes from being like spooky and giving you the creeps and giving you like all these like creepy vibes and everything like that to just being frustrated where all I want to do is just finish the game and all I just want to do is just kill all these ghosts and be done with it and I just want to see what the ending is and I just want to make it past it. It has failed in its objective to be a scary game. It just becomes a frustrating game and it, then it kind of loses its vision. It loses its way. It, it loses its ability to do what it sets out to do. The first half of this game, I would say up until you get to the end of the second night, uh, when the battles really start to get frustrating and when it really starts to ratchet up is, is some of survival horror's finest moments, I think in terms of video games and without getting really into like the silent hill plot deconstruction route, this is just pure pure survival horror, just pure spookiness, but it stops being that. So in that aspect, I have to say, like, no, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't hold up because the entire experience the way through, if I'm more angry than and upset and frustrated than I am spooked, I am no longer playing a survival horror game and I no longer need that theme or aesthetic. It completely becomes irrelevant and replaces it. And that's unfortunate because I think this game does do so many things so well. But when you fail on your most critical piece, I can't say it holds up. And that that's me personally. And I I don't know. And that's that upsets me because I really want to say it does, but it just falls short because of that aspect. It's just too frustrating for me. So unfortunately, no, I don't think it holds up today and, and barely doesn't. But it, it still doesn't. Uh, Lindsay, how about yourself? So this is, well, overall, yes. But I think because I have played it, and not just this one, I will say this one in particular is probably the hardest one. And it's not really 
because the other ones are easy. It's just it's it's because of whatever flaws it has. But if you go from playing Maiden of Blackwater, which is the newest one, to going back and playing this one, you'll probably do pretty well. You won't have to go over a hump of knowing the basics of uh, camera battle play. But this one still is probably the hardest one. But I think it holds up if you really... It would be hard to say for someone who's never played a game in the Fatal Frame series this day and age and wants to go back to like a PlayStation 2 game. If you would want to, I would very encourage you to play one of the newer ones and then go back because it that'd be more of a trial run and it'd be a lot easier. That being said, I think Made of Blackwater is a far less superior game than this one. So I would say absolutely yes, because when I when I was playing it, I it made me want to play the other two. And I and I didn't I didn't because I was afraid that for this podcast, I would get them confused, like the story and ghosts mm-hmm. and whatever. So I satisfied myself by going to New Game Plus and doing the battle modes and trying to get S rank on everything and just having so much fun with this game and having more things to do than I thought I would have. But it, it does really require you to pay attention. I do think it holds up for everything else that it says, but with patience (laughs) okay so keaton we're coming full circle this is you get to close this down for the april 1st retro hung under episode the inaugural one well hopefully there are more but uh what do you think does this game hold up it absolutely holds up it it it's kind of like that movie that that has the kid that misbehaves and they're very frustrating, but you know that they're good at, at heart and they just need a little extra care. Then they blossom into this lovely thing. I think that's the way this game is. Combat is a large part of it. Combat can be rough, but it's worth giving it a try. It's worth trying to see if you love it. Maybe you need a guide to help with some of the wandering or some of the combat. But if you can find this game on a PlayStation 3, for like 15 bucks or whatever it was absolutely worth an investment absolutely worth a try it holds up with a little bit of care and you know like yeah like i'm in the, this age of we went back and tweaked your game and re-released it with some improvements i'm really hoping for that one day for this game yeah i, I would happen to agree with that if this just had a little bit of improvements oh <laughs> yeah but I guess that brings us to the conclusion of this episode. So, uh, Shane. Hmm. Well, I suppose it does. I did not, even with four people here, I did not expect our Fatal Frame discussion to go over two hours. But here we are. <laughs> no. And on that point, I would uh, like to, first and foremost, thank our illustrious guests. So, fine patron of the show and trivia master, Mask Keaton, thank you for stopping in and chatting with us. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me back and for being here this time. (laughs) You're welcome. We deigned to grace you with our presence. I was there last time. You just, I didn't say anything. (laughs) That's true. true. (laughs) And, uh, and Lindsay, thank you for jumping in again. It's always a great time when you join the show. We, uh, we love the dynamic that you bring. So thanks for, for stopping by. Yeah, no problem. This is, I was so excited for this. I've been waiting for it ever since you asked. So thank you again for for asking me to come on. Thank you. Fantastic. And 
uh, it's a little unusual because normally most of our guests are just podcasters. But uh, is there anything that either one of you would like to to put out there to the people? Any any plugs you want to throw out? If you're a fan of professional wrestling and some fun professional wrestling discussion, you should go to dragonwagonradio.com and look up Pro Wrestling Palskis. It's two guys, uh, Jake Lloyd Bacon and comedian and, a, and actor of Dave Made a Maze fame, Scott Narver. And they sit around, they talk about the old, they talk about the new, try to be positive and humorous about it. and. They have an interactive chat that folks in that in the chat can add comments or remind them of what they forgot or got wrong. Uh, you know, it's it's fun discussions like who has some of the best hair in wrestling or best stables or, you know, best pay-per-view. Sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's silly, but you should give it a listen. And also you should play Fatal Frame, too. <laughs> it's got some really creepy ghosts improved on a lot of things. Chris will probably not like the haunted dolls. <laughs> probably not. But outside of that, Fatal Frame 2 is <laughs> a lot of fun as well. All right. Lindsay, what do you got? Nothing. Hello. <laughs> awesome. I am mysterious enigma. I agree with Fatal Frame 2. I think Fatal Frame Crimson Butterfly is my favorite of the entire series. It's been remade three times. I played it on the Wii again when it came out. I had to hack my Wii and get a Japanese emulator and that's how I played Lunar Eclipse. So if you get into Fatal Frame series, hit me up nowhere in your head. <laughs> Don't talk to me. <laughs> Just be like, dang, yeah, that, that girl had a good suggestion. I sure am enjoying this game. Mm -hmm. And that's all I need. I'll feel it. You know, I've, got, you go. I've got that. You get the vibes <laughs> out there. All right. Well, on that note. <laughs> As far as we are concerned, uh, if you happen to be listening to this, and that means you have already found us, much like not most of the vanishing ghosts in my playthrough, because I didn't find any of those. But we're glad that you're here. And uh, you know what? If you are a returning listener, then we are forever grateful for your continued patronage. And if you are brand new and this is your first experience with Retro Hangover, then we are thrilled that you have decided to spend your time with us. And we, we hope that you enjoyed it. We do uh, make it easy for you to engage with the show uh, beyond just allowing it to sort of invade your cranial space. To do that, all you got to do is go to linktree slash retro hangover. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash retro hangover. And you can find all the things as long as they have to do with us. So whether that's our social media accounts or the Twitch streams, or the YouTube channel, or the Patreon, or the merch store, if you'd like to support the show in that fashion. They're all there. Speaking of Twitch and things that we might do there, Chris, what, what is the Twitch? What do the, what do the kids do on the Twitch? Thank you for asking me, Shane. You can go to twitch.tv slash retro hangover, and you can find us streaming things on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday nights. That's Eastern time U.S. because I know we have an international audience. Just swing on by there and we'll be playing something of some kinds. Maybe Lunar. We haven't played Lunar in a while as the time of this recording, but maybe that Lunar forever, but probably not. <laughs> but just stop by there. Twitch.tv slash retro hangover. Hang out with us. Hang out with our community. Keaton's usually there. He is. He, he keeps the conversation going. It's fantastic. And uh Everyone that is there on our stream Sundays has a great time. So swing by there. We'd love to have you. That's once again, twitch.tv slash retro hangover. 
Fantastic. Well, I suppose, with all of that being said, until next time. Play with your... Wait, what photo is that? Joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash rhpbones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.